Style. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this great chat with Alan Logan of Brooklady. Yeah, absolutely. When um, you know Adam and I often try and get out to the, the warehouses on a Friday and we just, you know, love coming across these things that we forgot about. Yeah, you know, it's, it's so like cool. you, you know, we do, we go out and we'll spend some time just, you know, looking at what how things are developing, and every now and again you you come across something and tucked away in a corner that you've forgotten about or you yeah. haven't tried, and you know we've lots of things. Just sometimes just little twists. Um, I mean, sometimes some you know great cool experiments. You know, we've um, we came across one there recently where we. We had malted a small batch of uh, barley at the distillery. Now we don't have the malting facility, and this was, you know, something that we just came up with. Um, a makeshift, yeah, malting. makeshift. <laughs> yeah, we got a truck, and we basically uh, like uh, put a liner inside the back of a a, a, a truck. Yeah, and we put the barley in, and we steeped it in the truck, and then uh, after steeping it, then we cut some holes and drained the water off, and then <laughs> uh, then we took it to this big. Uh, farm uh, where there was a our barley store we germinated it on the floor by hand yeah. we'd done that uh, just to make a batch just to see if we could do it and um, you know we we then uh, distilled it we put it into barrels and you know it was all current at the time we distilled it and then you know after time we got involved with other things and then just recently we were like oh we forgot we'd done that that's so, so cool yeah so that was in like 210 so it's now uh, eight years old, and we're like, "Oh, let's go back and look at this." And it's pretty cool, you know. Yes. It's really got you know, that Isla Farm farmy stamp on it, which is um, which is pretty cool. Uh, yeah, so I mean, you know, exploring with everything all the time. Um, we've got the freedom to do so. Uh, last year, we were lucky enough to. Well, we wasn't lucky enough. It was actually a, an idea that we had early on in the year. Uh, we're always looking to do things differently and. What can we do? And everything we do has got to have a sense of meaning to the place and the people. Yeah. And you know what we're—it's not just something we just—you know—we're doing it for you guys for do, no reason. Yeah. Do you use the word terroir there? Because yeah, it's we use like that. Yeah, right? that's yeah. right. Yeah, it's all about provenance and 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 terroir. You know, really understanding the fundamentals. If we do whatever we do, whether it's with barley, whether it's with fermentation, whether it's with barrels. It's got a sense of meaning to a place or a connection yeah. with what our spirit, and you know, it's not just about well, if we do this, this, and this, and then you know, kind of see what happens. Sure. Um, and last year we were, um, I was speaking to a farmer, and we we're talking about crop rotation, and um, because we grow barley on the island, we're we're now working with nineteen farms on on Isla, and. There's not really a, a a big market for the farmers to to produce other cereals, um, so it's more difficult for them for crop rotation. Yeah. So they look at they can grow grass to to graze cattle, mm-hmm. um, and then they grow barley for us. Uh, but every now and again, because they've taken so much out of the soil, they've got to rotate their crops. Sure. And we're talking and we're saying, you know, well, you know, what about growing some different cereals for us that we could use for distilling? So. Uh, we've done an experiment. It's never been done on Isla before. Um, we we got some rye and we we uh, we grew rye on Isla. Where did it Where did it originate from that rye, Germany? Uh, well, no, the rye had uh, we got the seed. It was a UK breeder that we got it through. Oh, cool. um, 
we took the the seed in and then we, uh, we as I said, we grew it on a, a cool farm, just four miles, five miles from the distillery. Um, just as an experiment, we only took 10 acres just to see how it would grow. Um, and, you know, it was a success. We grew it. We then managed to uh, take the, 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 the small batch of rye we got and we done a few mashes. We only done five mashes off it uh, December last year. Yeah. And then that gave us, um, you know, the first Isla rye spirit that we've ever produced. And, you know, it where was is, pretty cool. Is that... Yeah, where where is that? Is so it in it's a bottle in, somewhere? No, no, it? it's not bottled okay, yet. Okay. No, it's still sitting in the the warehouses. Uh, we've it's only just well, not even be a year old at this stage. Oh, wow. We've got it sitting. We filled some into Virgin American oak, some into Virgin French oak, and then we've put in some into first fill bourbon cask oh, as well. Incredible! And we're watching it um, go uh, just see how it turns out. But yeah, I mean, it's incredible. To, to you, for flavor wise, because we're you know in the yeah. I'll call it in the West or in the states, we're really used to a particular type of rye yeah. flavor that's typically coming from. Yeah, well, it's the, interesting because well, what we've done, uh, been uh, open and transparent because we've got nothing to hide about it, is that the the rye because um, the high beta glucan glucan content in the rye, we, it's very difficult to do one hundred percent mash bill. Yeah, so we, right. we cut it with Isla barley, uh, malted barley, in the mash. Um, so we we put in fifty five percent rye and forty five percent malted okay. barley, um, and it was interesting because when we were distilling, well, mashing was a bit of a challenge for us because it's we've got an old Victorian mash tun. It was never designed to do this. So <laughs> rye is hard, yeah, too, yeah. man. So just to get the right consistency and the right mix and figure out, you know, because it's not like just mal- uh, working with malted barley, which is actually very easy to work with. Yeah. Uh, it was very sticky, so it took us a long time to to get the 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 right temperatures. Uh, anyway, when we um, what we fermented and then we distilled it, but the spirit was amazing because it's got uh, well, obviously it's unusual for us to get that real spicy yeah. um, licorice note coming through in the in the spirit. So that was you know great for us just to have a different flavour from a different cereal and. Obviously, watching it develop over the last kind of eight nine months in the in the casks, you know, it's really really taken on that more spicy and and taken more out of the wood. It's yeah. it's really becoming more pronounced. But it, are you when you talk about rise? Is this, it still to me seems like it's going to have this unique voice in that? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Like sure. it can't. There's no way it's going to taste like the stuff we have here. But still, reminiscent with that spice. Yeah, it's got that spicy licorice note, but not. Uh, it's got. A, Definitely has got its, the the whole the, the Bricardi stamp on it. It's got that Good. DNA on it, um, and you know that's pretty cool for us. So yeah, things like that gives us you know we're, we've got the freedom to do that. Nobody's telling us we can't do it. Yeah, um, that's kind of nice, right? Yeah, it was. Um, we uh, well, you know, we had arranged it with the farmer. We grew it. Uh, it was like it was like an eight month project, and we kept it relatively low key because we knew if you know if we started talking about it because we were as I said everything we do has got. Uh, kind of sense of meaning to the place and right. we want to do it great so we're growing it ourselves you know in the fields where we know it's come from in the soil and so we kept it relatively low-key because we knew if we had started talking about it early on that we knew that everybody else would jump in the bandwagon yeah, and they would be doing it before us so um and then when we distilled it we were like obviously it was hot news around the distillery and uh simon the ceo was like oh you never even told me you were doing this <laughs> you know he was like and we're like, oh, uh, we didn't know we had oh, and to. By the, by the way, <laughs> yeah, that's I, it. I'm always, he wasn't. He wasn't mad. He was just joking. Like yeah. saying, I didn't even know, know you were doing this. So I, I think that my whole philosophy is ask for forgiveness. I yeah, never beg for permission. <laughs> no, that's right. Yeah, you know, because yeah, yeah. these experiments sometimes they can be tragically terrible, but yeah. with the knowledge and the articulate nature of process that you guys have, there's no way it's gonna be bad. You know, what no, I mean? no, it's just no. gonna be. Different. Yeah, yeah, we're very inquisitive of you know what flavors we'll get from different things, and you know, particularly with malted barley, that's one thing that we think that the industry's um, underestimating the you know the influence of what barley gives to whiskey. Yeah. You know, it's you know it can be deemed as you know seen as a commodity to a lot of others, but for us, it's it's more than it's the it's a raw ingredient you use yeah. in making single malt. So it has got a lot more to give. Uh, Working with different varieties, um, you know, even just understanding the the locations of where the barley's coming from, the soil type, what that's giving, the weather impact that has year on year. So you know, like we we are we have a lot of um, whiskey now that we're we've been making for like well over a decade. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been 
working directly with farms and that project's been you know um, started back in 2003 and four and it's now you know we've got whiskey that we're bringing to the market and you know it's the you know we can really educate people on the different the influence of you know terroir that yeah. you know what the barley's given to the grain and sometimes it's very subtle um sometimes it's more pronounced um you know we get particularly with Isla, you get that influence that maritime note that salty oh, salinity, mari- yeah. Yeah, that salinity flavor that comes and you know that's because you know we're growing barley so close to the atlantic ocean and it's really got that salty briny note that comes through that's distinct with Isla uh, barley and um we you know we just love exploring you know with new nuances we take the beer barley which is the ancient strain of barley from orkney that we grow mm-hmm. um it's a six row variety it's uh, it's low in starch so it you know it reacts very differently through the fermentation mm-hmm. um you know it's because it's uh, got low sugar content it produces a, a lovely a cereal husky note and then we're getting more of more influence from the yeast because there's less sugars for the yeast to consume yeah, so having to work a little bit harder right so yeah we get great flavors from that and you know it's just all these things are for us is you know we're learning all the time you know what we can gain from the grain yeah and um that's for us it's just you know it's incredible rather than just taking grain as a commodity and thinking it's all the same and just keep distilling it and then you know for us you know you're just like you're you're then if you're doing that you're sole, solely reliant on the casks you sure. know for giving you flavor um whereas we we can get different flavors from the barley we can you know tweak things in the dis, 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 dis in the distillery to get you know more more flavor or adjust things but then obviously we can work with the cask as well yeah and, and well i mean you've got every every peat it's one thing is so i was always found this interesting about cognac right it comes from highly acidic wine that is not drinkable. Yeah. Like, but well, why would you want to drink something that's not drinkable at one stage? Now, I know it works fine, and that, that's really the heavy influence of the cask. But see, this is a great thing, is that you're saying, well, no, the grain's got to be good. It's got to be distinct. The yeah. distill has to be good. And also the cask. So you're this whole three well, pros- Yeah, that's thing, it. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, anything, if you want to make the best of anything, you've got to start right at source. You can't just pack it up halfway through and, right, and right. make, you know, Try to correct correct yeah. things, um, and to understand you know your ingredients. You know if you're a mixologist or if you're a, a chef, you want to understand the ingredients, what influence that's going to have, and Absolutely. what you're preparing. And uh, the more you work with it, the more you understand it. And for us, that's where it goes right back to the source of the grain. Um, and you know, for us, that's you know why we we care about it so much. Yeah. Um, you know, barley is really really important, and you know, I think. For now, it's it's becoming more easy. It's becoming easier for us to 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 explain that because we have the liquid, we have the whiskey. It's matured, and we can yeah. let people try, and they can see the differences, uh, taste the differences themselves. They yeah. can smell it, they can taste it. And for us, that's you know, it, well, not mission accomplished because we're always going to explore. We're going to keep exploring till you know we're we're we don't think we'll ever get to the stage explore of explore until we expire. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely, and. You know, there's there's lots of exciting things that we can continue to do. Um, we're looking at building our own uh, small bespoke malting plant that we'll be able to then have more flexibility in the series of trucks. This yeah, time. yeah. Well, no, not so much, not so much in a truck. Um, actual proper mobile malting. Yeah, there's yeah, something yeah, to that's that. Yeah, could be. yeah. Well, we we considered that before. Like, if you could do something, it was but. No, we want to put in a small bespoke malting plant that gives us flexibility to make small batches and just play around with the different um, the grains we're doing. Sure. You know, whether it's you know rye in the future, we can make a peated rye. Yeah. All these oh, kind of things. Be very cool. Yeah, yeah. And that's for us. It's just exciting that you know we've got the ability to do that. So you know we're working on that at the moment. Um, and you know it's it's you know I suppose it comes back to your original question. You know, are we creative? Well, yes, we are, but... It, I think you just demonstrated it, it, that you're wildly yeah, creative. But, it, but it's in a in a way that we do it naturally, and it's it, it's got to have a kind of sense of meaning as right. well. That, you know, it's we're never not, contrived. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. For you, this is the thing. So I love people and the way that that intersects with the way that they express themselves through spirits that they just don't think is an amazing thing, a lovely thing. You, So you're really an articulate guy. You know this process, of course, fourth generation distiller, but when it comes to this communication thing and being able to command a room, did you go to school for that? In other words, 
what would you have been doing otherwise when you left uni i think in 97 yeah i mean what other paths would you be on yeah no no it's not it's not the case at all um so i grew up in uh on isla i was born and raised on isla uh, my father was working at lafroy distillery so we lived right beside the distillery mm. and um you know at an early age i knew i wanted to get into the whiskey industry what was uh, it what it, i didn't want to do what my, yeah. what my dad did yeah, yeah. right when i was younger I yeah kind of well but what was interesting about it yeah i think it was just because um you know on the island you know we're, we're surrounded by distilleries my, my my grandfather my uncles were all working in the whiskey industry um you know as i said my love for the island as well you know growing up there you know all my friends my family were there yeah um i knew it was um a good job and i don't know there's maybe something in my dna that just wanted me to do it you know and it was you know i can see the point that most people say like you know i don't want to do what my father's doing right, but right. i naturally did um you know and the the challenge became when i got closer to leaving school that it, you know that you can't really go off and study to get a career okay you could go to well nowadays you can go to Harriet Watt and get a degree in brewing and distilling yeah. but back then it wasn't an option so um to get into the industry was very difficult and I remember asking the manager at Lafroig at the time you know like you know what what advice would you give me like what experience could I get or how would I get into the industry and he says well he says to be honest he says it's really to start off with, he says, to become a distiller, we're looking for somebody that's like mature and, you know, it's responsible. Mm-hmm. Um, so he says, you really probably, you know, need to think about it maybe when you're 30, 35, you know, that's probably the time to come back and try and get into the industry. And that's not- that was very off-putting yes, uh, to say the thing. But um, I did give up on my dream. Uh, but, you know, and back in 97, there was a few distiller like there was, Brooklady was obviously closed. Our bag was closed, but then... I think in 98 it reopened, you know, when Glen Morangi took over. Yeah. And I remember trying to obviously get a, a job at Arbeg, but they'd recruited, they'd taken back all the guys that had worked there before, so there wasn't really any vacancies. How many people, like roughly, Isla, just talking about it, is, how many people actually live there, not travel to work? But yeah, yeah, on Isla, there's, uh, the population is just over 3,000, 3,100 people. It. Yeah, so it's, wow. yeah, it's insane, so yeah, it's very, jobs very... Jobs are difficult to come by. Yeah, d- definitely. Um, and back then, you've got to remember, there wasn't so many opportunities because the distilleries were um, running quite uh, on a skeleton crew because it was really, you know, just distilling. A lot of the aging's done in the mainland mm-hmm. and the, the bottling's done in the mainland. So therefore, they've just got maybe four or five, well, not four or five, maybe uh, 10 guys yeah. uh, working the distillery and a few people working in the visitor shop. Um, and that was it. So the jobs didn't really come up that often. It was only really when somebody retired or that then there'd be a new job came up and right. then like there'd probably be, you know, 50, 60 people maybe Wanting going for the same job. job. Yeah. So it was very difficult. And that's what the, my point was that with no experience and, you know, how do you get in, how do you start off with? And uh, so it was quite downgrading. So I went off and, you know, well, my, I wanted to leave school. My parents said, well, you can't leave without getting a job. So... I took a, I started my career in the building industry just to take a trade, uh, just to stay on the island. But it was quite difficult because work was, um, again, it's quite limited building work on the sure. island. I tried, as I said, in 98 when our bag opened, but as I said, there weren't, there was no vacancies. And then um, a couple of years later, in, in the year 2000, um, I was just about to, have, for the first time in my life, I was about to leave the island. I was actually thinking of, well, you know, the like, Building work wasn't, there was nothing really yeah. uh, where happening. To, where to? Where we I was going? going to go to Glasgow. Glasgow, okay. And um, I contemplated it. I spoke to some of my friends and they had a flat and I was about to, you know, kind of leave. And I thought, well, you know, fresh start in 2001. I'm going to, you know, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, you're 21-ish, right? Yeah, 20, that, yeah, that's right, yeah. So I'm going to take the plunge and, and move. And then just as luck would have it, um, just in uh, Christmas, December 2000, the year 2000, uh, the news had kind of been announced that Brooklady was going to be reopened. Jim McEwen was going to be leaving Bamore Distillery to go and work at uh, Brooklady. Um, and that was just like new news on the island at Christmas. So I was, you know, kind of heard the news. My father says, you know, um, you know, you should go and speak to, to Jim. So did I knew... You, did you know Jim already? Yeah, well, the, the, the interesting thing was that Jim was actually, he was our coach at soccer oh. um, on a Saturday morning. So he used to teach us football. Oh, that's so great. I grew up, he, he knew him very well. 
and I was at school with his daughter as well. His daughter's the same age as me, so yeah. I, I had known him. So yeah, so I went to to visit him on January and uh, had a chat with him. Now, the the interesting thing with Jim was that he had really um, had a vision, and you know he had a totally different outlook to the the the, the, the little frog manager I spoke yeah. to in ninety six. Was that uh, he was telling me that um, he had really wanted to 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 employ like new blood into the whiskey industry and give yeah. young people the opportunity to to learn a craft, to learn a to learn a skill. And uh, he had knew like my family had worked all worked in the industry, so he, he like he knew my credentials from my family and it's in your and, blood. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, so he was only too happy to give me a job. So that that's really where it all began in two thousand and one in January. Um, you know, agreed to to work with them, but it wasn't straight into distilling. We had six months of getting the distillery back on its feet, so sure. which was a great period because really got to know the ins and outs of the distillery because we were maintaining it and getting it up and running. And then when we did start distilling, yeah, you know, I was uh, became a, almost like an apprentice distiller and worked my way through. And yeah, just worked really hard and wanted to know every aspect of it and. You know, well, here I am today, still. You know, it's interesting, and this is this is you know, lots of the stuff's available on online in the bio and all of that. The soccer coach stuff is, yeah, yeah, which is rad. But I get it now; it makes sense why why Brook Laddie feels the way it does. Yeah, it comes from youth. It comes from inquisition, thinking yeah. about things. Yeah, you know, yeah, and yeah. that's. That's what changes the industry. Yeah, you know what I mean, that's what well, we're yeah, for. we are a community. I mean, and we are a community-based company. We're Isla centric. We do everything you know we can to make an Isla single malt. You know, an Isla single malt because we're employing local people. We do things more difficult than necessary, like uh, than probably you know. We, there's ways around things that you know maybe we could take, but we choose to take the hard path because it's the right thing to do. Yeah, like we bottle our whiskey on Isla. Most other brands would, you know, it doesn't. It's not feasible to do that because you've got to ship all the glass <clears throat> onto the island and then ship it back off. Right. It's a, as an extra cost, but for us, it's all about having the control of our whiskey from start to finish. You know, from seeds right through to what whiskey we select goes into the bottle and it yeah. leaves the island. But also, the, the the added benefit is it's employing local people. It's giving young people like myself the opportunity. Well, you're, you're paying back. You know, yeah, you're paying it forward. Yeah, that's right. So now we have we're we're just over a hundred strong in the in Brooklady. That's crazy. So from a distillery that started in two thousand and one that had no people, we're now over a hundred people strong. We still do everything manually, so we need more you know uh, more people. But we're we're also giving young people the opportunity to to learn skills that not just in distilling, but you know in IT and yeah. customer services and uh, HR and you know and and we've really you know Brooklady. I love Isla is our headquarters. You know, we don't have, um, you know, decentralized location warehouses and stuff. It's all done from Isla. It's yeah. done from the heart of the people from Isla. And that's, you know, for us, that feels it's the way Isla whiskey should be made. Um, you know, maturing all our whiskey on the island, again, it adds a, an extra premium to our cost because we've got to build warehouses. We've got to ship the barrels to the island. But we wouldn't have it any other way because yeah. it's so important that our whiskey is made there, it matures there, and it's bottled there. And it's incredible for me being a distiller that, you know, we're working with farms and we're, you know, handling grain and, you know, understanding the flavours and then, you know, distilling it when we distill it, you know, the the, 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 the new make that we, we, we create from, the, from that barley, you know, the quality of that and then we're selecting the barrels that goes into overseeing the maturation from yeah. start to finish and then you know having the the the, the um the job of actually selecting that whiskey and put it into a bottle it's incredible you know for you know there's not i don't think many people have that 360 view of the the whole process no. and yeah you're absolutely right that's the thing that i'm and of course i'm taking pictures of you as you're yeah sorry yeah it's okay <laughs> i'm not i'm not a distracted yeah. so to speak when you when it comes to the juice itself, and Scotch as a category being generational for you, being part of your blood, literally probably like yep. metaphorically, right? When was the first sip you can remember where you got it? It's it tasted good because you know when we're younger, we don't always appreciate stuff. But was there a moment where you sat down with they said, "Oh, now I get it. Yeah, this all makes sense." Yeah, yeah, no, that's definitely happened. Um, well, my first ever whiskey I had was, I was probably 
14 or 15 and uh, I think it was maybe at New Year a, a taste of my father's whiskey um, Laphroaig and you know, didn't that's go a, that's down. One to start yeah, with, yeah, yeah, that didn't go down too well, um, to say the least. And you know, I, I can remember even thinking at the time, thinking, "Oh God, you know, I'm never going to drink whiskey again." Yeah. Um, and you know, obviously, my palate was young, and you know, didn't obviously appreciate you know how to taste it. Um, but then obviously, as you as you mature, and I remember when we started at Brahadi, um, you know, when in in 2001, um, and this is what was quite interesting. But this is when it started to change for me was that. Um, Jim, who's a very, very passionate and enthusiastic guy, and when we started in 2001, we were very fortunate that we had inherited some of the whiskey that had been made by the previous owners. That's a very so, sexy story, yeah. So, look, there was, um, there was about 8,000 or just under 8,000 barrels still sitting in the warehouses of different years. And Jim, in 2001, was basically had the job of going through all that stock and understanding you know, what he could make from that and bring to the market. And... Um, we used to, as I said, the first five months were pretty much uh, getting the distillery back at its feet. And they used to, you know, at the end of the day, we would stop and have a kind of chat about what we were doing. And, and we'd always share about a dram or a beer. And obviously, I was just a young 21-year-old yeah. at the time. And um, and uh, he was sharing and, and teaching us how to, you know, to properly drink whiskey. And that's really when it kind of changed for me, drinking Brickladdy whiskey, but in the right way, understanding how to taste it. Um, and, you know, Brooklady's quite a light, easy drinking spirit, uh, whiskey to drink anyway. So that was, you know, a really turning point for me. It took me a while while to develop a palate for heavily peated whiskey. Yeah. You know, it probably came a few years after it, albeit we've been distilling Port Charlotte. Always felt that Port Charlotte was, even the in the, in the new make was a bit um, intense. You know, it was a, the smoke was a bit higher. It right. was just a bit stronger. Um but I could say, you know, now Port Charlotte's my go-to whiskey. You yeah. know, it's uh, something that I love. Um, uh, I love Brooklady, I love Octomore, but you'd probably, if I had to choose between the three, I would probably select uh, Port Charlotte all the time. So learning how to drink whiskey is what changed your way of thinking about it, tasting it? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Taking your time and, and uh, appreciating it. You know, Jim, as I said, his enthusiasm and his knowledge and, you know, drinking it properly, you know, because I think back when I was probably 14, 15, I just, you know, took a sip and... Sure. You know, just it burned and didn't enjoy that. But no, I think understanding how to drink it properly um, and and appreciating the the flavour and the taste. And you know, as I said, Brocadi is a great whiskey for starting off with as well yeah. because it's so soft and elegant as well. There's a how long have you been in Texas this tour? Uh, this has just been a week this a week. time. So yeah, so I've been in Texas. I've just came down. I've been in Dallas and Houston and Austin for a few there, days. Uh, this is the thing. It's funny. I like thinking about which makes sense but food to me is the precursor to identifying the notes in whiskeys right yeah so i don't know if you've made it to whataburger yet this is a texas thing great burgers and it's like you got to do it it's just yeah it's our thing you know it's texas. Yeah. but they had this honey butter chicken biscuit right oh. so you got a little bit of salt a little yeah. bit of fat some honey and the starchiness from the biscuit when i drink the tenure yeah this is the note that oh well is biscuits yeah which which is very common actually for, yeah for what I understand but the honey and the chicken right so you yeah. get the this is this is one of those things so it's i almost want to just take you there to taste <laughs> yeah. this like, oh i kind of get how the yeah. scotch tastes like yeah. this you know sounds but, interesting yeah but this is this is the great thing about yeah. the scotch talking about the vault when was brooklady first shuttered i know it reopened in 2001 you said but when was it shuttered before that so a bit about the history of Brigadi, obviously it was founded in 1881, 1881. Um, and it's um, it was formed by a family, uh, the Harvey family, there were three brothers, they'd been distilling in, in, in mainland Scotland and they came to Ireland in 1881 to build a, a single malt distillery. Um, now, I think the first time it actually closed was probably during the, the First World War, mm. um, it shut and then it uh, reopened. And really, I mean, right through the the nineteen hundreds, the the distillery had a kind of checkered past. And I think what had happened was because of the demand of Scotch was getting um, higher, but the demand of Scotch wasn't for single malt as such; it was for blended Scotch. Right, right. And most of the distilleries in Scotland, if I'm not saying all, but most of them, including Brookladdy, there was a proportion, and usually a high proportion of their distillate would be going for blends. You know, so they'd be selling their 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 single malt for mm -hmm. blends, 
So they were reliant on the blended Scottish market. So every time there was a downturn or there was a war or something happened um, and sales drops, then the distilleries got into difficult times. And then they would usually, if they didn't have, um, you know, requirements for production, then they would close the distillery down or sometimes it would be sold onto another brand and then they would, you know, uh, pick it back up. So really, I mean, I think in the, in the in the history of Bukhari, I think it's been six times the distillery's closed. Wow. Okay. Um, it's changed ownership several several times. Um, you know, and I think the last time it closed was nineteen ninety four, pre well before we took over, but in nineteen ninety four it was owned by Jim Beam Brands, and they had closed it. You know, it was a bit of uh, the, the sales had start of blends had started to slow down. The distillery itself was old and inefficient. You know, it's still the Victorian equipment. They didn't yeah. want to invest ahead and and um you know upgrade the, the equipment which it's a sad thing that they closed the distillery in 1994 you know that they shot the distillery and there was no production and the people were played off but we're glad super glad that they never actually did a good decision to upgrade it because today we still work with the original equipment That's you know we problem. see that as um our big usp that we're still making whiskey the traditional way yeah. with the original equipment you know it's the our mash ton goes back to 1881 you know it's incredible we're still we're like a working museum but you know it's it, for us it's you know we're very involved in in the process you know it's by hand by touch by feel it's not just you know push a button and right. you know the spirit comes out the other end again i mean that's the connective nature spirit should be that way you're yeah yeah you're a yeah. composer yeah you know absolutely I mean? and and the thing is there's so much you can influence from being involved and just even you know by touching by feeling by smelling yeah all these things right across the process so you know we see our guys and this is something that's you know for us is, is appealing for young people to come in they're learning a, a, a skill a trade they're coming in and they've got to learn and it's something that you know you don't just pick up in a, you know six months or a year you're still learning after four or five years i mean i'm still learning you know like yeah. because each day the things the challenges we get with grains and things with the distillery we're learning all the time so you know and i think that's the interesting thing is that we're connected with the process rather than it just being an automated process where it just you know you push a button and you know spirit comes out the other end and <laughs> it just that doesn't feel no good. it doesn't no and, and it, sadly you know there's there you know, i'm not saying there's anything wrong with it but um i think there's more skill being lost in scotland because there's right. more automation, automation coming into yeah. coming into it so do people still feel as connected to the, the the making of the whiskey as they could um i don't know i mean i'd probably say no but that's my view on it yeah. but um you know for us it's it's a um, it's a great way of learning and being connected and you know I think you know even our guys the distillers back at the distillery they're a great pride of what they uh, because they're actually involved in the process and they, they understand the process yeah uh, as opposed to you feel to me as a spokesman for Isla lived there your yeah. life you've revitalized with the help of many great people a wonderful shuttered distillery bringing these great things you have any interest in the politics of it, being a councilman, being a congressman, I'm not exactly sure what the positions would be called in Isla, but helping the community even for, further in that kind of way. Yeah, I mean, that's, as I said earlier, our, um, you know, our business, uh, we're Isla-centric. We are at the heart of the community. We um, we do as much as we can to support the community, whether it be the farming community. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we do a lot with uh, sponsoring lo- uh, local organizations and such. We do as much as we can. Uh, we care about it. You know, we're employing, we're the biggest employer on the island. And, you know, I think, you know, it's not to take away, I mean, I think all the other distilleries do their bit as well. Yeah. You know, it's not because they're all run by local people and they're all very much involved in it. So, I mean, I think all the distilleries really do come together. We've got a great sense of community between all the other distilleries, mm-hmm. albeit they're owned by different uh, multinational companies. Sure, and sure. and that's obviously what happens out here in the, in the global uh, uh and the you know the wider global content of things but on isla you know we are all a community we all get together just last week for example um we held a five-a-side um soccer match um between all the distilleries so each distilleries uh put together some uh, football teams and they we competed but it was to raise money for charity for the old folks home so like you know we the distilleries donated some prizes and there was you know um uh, tombolas raffles and yeah. stuff like that to, to raise some money 
and then you know we do donate all the proceeds to the charity for the old folks home and on the island and it's things like that you know there's always events that we can pull together and have a bit of fun yeah who who won the match well uh, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately it was lefroy i think it took the title <laughs> but yeah when you, if you were to say, well, based on the whiskey, who's yeah. the grittiest bunch? Like that, that kind, yeah, yeah. kind of, kind of yeah. makes some sense. Yeah, that's you guys right, yeah. are lovers, not yeah. fighters. That's right. Like. Yeah, that's right. We were there, there just to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I mean, it, it is incredible, and it, one of the things that I, going into this conversation, I didn't realize is one the the scope of how you and Brooklady enters the community in many different ways and kind of adds this value, hiring young people. I think this is an important tale. Not just for Isla, but yeah. for for any place, you yeah. know. And I just didn't realize how small it was. Yeah, truly. All right, so it's very small, um, and it means, you know, that, is that everything we do has a sense of meaning to the place and the people. And I want to see that, you know, like Jim gave me an opportunity when he was, um, you know, he came to Brooklady after working at Bomore for forty years. He knew he had about ten to fifteen years left of his career, and he. Yeah. He started that journey with giving me an opportunity and uh, like other some other young people an opportunity to come and learn a skill at the distillery. And we've opened that up and we keep doing it. And I want to get to the stage when I'm re- ready to retire and I'm yeah. handing over to the next generation that, that all still exists and that ethos is still there. So it's something that um, we're very um, uh, passionate about is, you know, going to keep making sure that we retain all the, the skill and yeah. the knowledge we have we pass it on to the next generation and you know Brooklady will still be like this in you know 30 40 50 years time 100 years time as as the, the manager the distillery manager and having the cultural excuse me the culture being very very important to the place but also the brand itself what because you're a mentor yeah. to these folks right yeah. you're a leader as such what are some things that you always want to make sure people know about you as a leader what is in other words, things that you do to make sure that the culture of not Isla but Brooklady itself remains. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting question. Um, I mean, again, it's something that we just do naturally. I think yeah. for us, it's um, you know everything we do has to to mean and and have a, a a sense of reasoning that why we're doing things. We just don't do things just you know because it seems or you know somebody uh, it's not a whiteboard. Dark yeah, wall, that's it, yeah, that's it. We're doing things. Um, we're um you know very focused on you know that we're doing things for the right reason yeah um i don't know it's a difficult question to answer um well, it, yeah i mean so as a leader yeah do okay here's something people say right that have big organizations that they lead my door is always open yeah right so are you a hand if for the personal development of your crew yeah if they've got questions if they've got challenges potentially about balancing work life you're an accessible guy. Yeah, oh, oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, we're we we don't really have a hierarchy at, our, uh, at the distillery. I mean, everybody, uh, you know, is hands on, jeans yeah. on. Uh, we get um, down and dirty with it. We lead by example, you know, because I've been through the process, you know, and Jim is the same, you know. Like, there's, um, you know, we don't ask people to do things we wouldn't be prepared to do ourselves. Yeah. We, you know, we're very open. Um, we we like to support our employees. You know, we try and give them the best uh, support that we can. You know, we try and give them, you know, um, you know, not just it's not just a job. You know, we're trying to get them in, in invested in the in the, the in the business as well. Yeah. You know, when they come, they they feel as if they're part of the the distillery and part of the success. And I think, um, I mean, we've been doing it for a long, long time now and you know it becomes almost like every day but i mean it is the way we we see it as normal but maybe in other businesses it's not but yeah. we're very much hands-on uh open door i mean our ceo he's very approachable you know we're you know we run um run alongside the team rather than you know you know we're disconnected from the the, the actual guys on right. the ground so and it, you know it, it's always been that way at brocadi um you know and i think it's um it's a way that we get results because we're we're more involved with what's happening day to day than than being disconnected from it. So let's talk about the marks for a few minutes here. So I had the pleasure of trying. I think it was a thirty or thirty two year old. There were just a few bottles that made their way into Texas, and this is this comes from the shuttered era ultimately, and it's just a lovely, lovely spirit. Even then, you know, I feel like it got a little more romantic and a little more bosomy. 
as, as it kind of reopens. That's how the new spirit yeah. tastes to me. Yeah. <clears throat> but you've got this plethora of stuff, like Octomore, right? Yeah. <clears throat> Super challenging, but a thinking piece. How does that mark specifically? I guess what's 8-1? Is that the one? That's yeah. Right yeah. How, how do you feel about that one, sipping that one with people and kind of challenging them a little bit? Challenging people are drinking it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing with Octomore, um, I mean, it's um, when you describe it uh, to people, you know, whether it's um, about the, the phenol content, its cast strength, its age, um, you know, Octomore is generally other than 8.1. Uh, so up until 8.1, everything was five years old. Yeah. And its cast strength is 60 ppm and, you know, sorry, 60% ABV, so 120 proof. Mm. And, you know, the phenol content could be, you know, 150, 160, 180. Um, you know, so when you d describe that, you know, it's it's almost it's like it's, it's off-putting. Yeah, it's off-putting, yeah. But uh, the great thing about it is when you taste it, the discovery of tasting Octomore is um, it's it, it's not all that. It's, it's, it's made in a way, and that's something that, we take um, great care of is with, and the same with Port Charlotte with Octomore. When we created uh, them both back in when we started distilling Port Charlotte in two thousand and one, and Octomore was in two thousand and two, and again this was led by Jim. That we um, having understood that you know what the the phenol content of was the malted barley, and we we mashed it and got the best extraction we could and fermented it as we do with Brocadi, the same same length of fermentation in the, the the in the stills in the distillation we um as we make in brocladi we've got a uh, tall elegant still so the the, the the stills we use for making brocladi spirit is tall and elegant yeah. and we distill slowly to get that soft and light Perfect, spirit yeah. so when we, it came to distilling the peated whiskey for the first time Port charlotte oh, yeah. we were then making we were left with a choice do we speed up the stills and get a more heavier robust spirit right because yeah. the heat it would actually yeah. because the, the the particulates are actually heavier right is that, yeah is that why yeah you yeah so push? you've got all these phenol con uh, the phenol content in the in the uh, from the malted barley you've got that present which we didn't have in brookladdy so the first time you know we had to then uh, work out do we want a heavy robust uh, um spirit or do we want a light and elegant spirit yeah. now with phenols it's difficult you've got to get the balance so we could have easily just then said right okay we're going to turn up the heat and it'll distill faster therefore the, the vapor travels up faster you get heavier uh, spirit yeah, you know yeah. really you know really strong and smoky or we could you know um slow down the still as we do with Brickladdy, run it's quite gentle and what that does is it allows the vapor to travel up a lot slower um, more copper content, uh, co more contact, yeah, right. and um, <clears throat> that purifies it. But what we're doing is actually sacrificing some of the phenols uh, in that, but it makes the spirit a bit more three dimensional. Well, yeah. we we say three dimensional, but it, it's more elegant. It's uh, got more flavour of the the more of the DNA of the distillery. It's got that malted barley, yeah. some of the flavours from fermentation, but it's also got the peat smoke. So it's just a balancing process we do in the distillation by turning it down and we're getting that lighter spirit through. And that's the discovery point with certainly with Octomore because something that's so high in phenolic content to begin with and then, you know, it's cast strength and it's only five-year-old spirit. I think when you discover it that you find it's far more balanced than you would expect right. because we distill it in a way that it's, you know, just uh, marrying up all the flavours between, you know, the, the grain... Uh, the 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 fermentation, the distillate, you know, getting the best out of what we can from the stills, and uh, yeah, we're you know that that's I mean that's that's one of those nuggets that I hope people hear. Yeah, because you have a choice. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, that was <laughs> always have a choice. We have a choice, and that's the thing about us is that we're distilling is that we're we're well. We, the fortunate thing for us when we started Brocladi in two thousand and one was that we had an opportunity to start again. You know, we were starting from yeah. from from scratch. And, you know, creating Port Charlotte and creating Octomore was, you know, that was great for us to be able to do that. And it was great to have Jim's knowledge as well because he, you know, you know, he was thinking logically of, you know, what he wanted to create rather than just say, right, okay, we're just going to, you know, put all the grain through, we'll get some heavily peated spirit 
and we'll see what age is like and then we'll work yeah. out. No, he was actually thinking about the detail of the style of spirit that he wanted to create. And I think that's really what's put, you know, uh, uh, Port Charlotte and Octomore where they are today is that, you know, that style of spirit is that that thought was back then in 2001 when we created yeah. it. And it's it's slightly different from some of the Isle of Whiskies. You know, it's not strong. It's, it's, it's a bit more tempered, mm-hmm. you know, but that's what we enjoy. And I think... You know, some of the flavours that come through is, you know, and I think that's why Pochalot is my, you know, kind of go-to whiskey yeah. at the moment is that it's balanced. It's got, um, you know, woody, dry smoke as opposed to that kind of really heavy, oily, uh, medicinal smoke. It's, it's 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 a bit more tempered. It's nuanced. It's refined. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that all, that magic happens in the stills. You know, that's not from the casks. It's not from, you know, uh, anything. It's the still that we've managed to, yeah. to, to shape that character. Is the... In- I think maybe I've read this with one of the people from your PR team. Is Port Charlotte tenure a full thing now? Is that going to yeah. be around all yeah, the time? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So we've been trying to build up. So we we made Port Charlotte in 2001 for the very first time. And we didn't really know where or what, how it was going to, you know, where it was going to end up or what we were going to do with it. But we knew we wanted to make a Pete Isla single malt. Mm-hmm. And as uh, times went on, we, you know, back then it was about, 30% of our production and, you know, we'd been distilling um, quite low quantities back in 2001. And as the, the business matured, we started to increase the amount of distillate we were doing. And um, year on year, so therefore the, the quantity was growing. But we always struggled to get to a point where we had enough to do a kind of global, yeah. like it became our core, um, ten, like 10 year old was our core product. Um, not that you know we're saying that ten year old is you know it's got to be age driven, but um, for us it was um, we were always trying to balance the stocks and we we're using uh, some of the younger stock to get it introduced. So we used um, so we introduced the Portarlet Scottish barley, yeah, which was a multi vintage. It was uh, using three different vintages, uh, generally seven, eight, nine year old, um, and. That was our main Port Charlotte skew for a while, but what we've been doing is building up the stocks. And so we're at a stage we reviewed a couple of years ago that um, if we really want to kind of promote Port Charlotte as an Isla single malt and go into that category and, you know, almost compete against Laphroaig and Lagavulin and get it, we've got to lead with an age statement. And it's not something that we say wholeheartedly agree on because we're not saying that age is the most important thing, but... It puts us in that category of well, you know, it's it's you know, it's in par with Lagavulin or uh, it's in par with Lefroy Ten no, or Arbeg Ten. Yeah, absolutely. You know. You're now on the same court. Yeah, that's you know right. I mean? Yeah, because you guys have been around enough to have this older stock. And yeah, so that's it's 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 more a symbol. Yeah, that's you know? right. Yeah, absolutely. And and we talk about more, you know, the influences of the the grain where the barley comes from. We still talk about the distillation. We're talking about the the cast we use and and it's more than just a number but it puts us in the same same league as yeah, the rest same of them league, like, yeah, exactly and um you know we're super super proud of the Charlotte 10 it's just one double gold at san francisco yeah, was, yeah. um we're you know we're getting great reviews and it's you know um but Charlotte is such an adaptable spirit, you know, it works well, um, it's neat, you know, as it's neat, um, if you take it in a cocktail, you know, it's just such an adaptable. 100, 100 proof too on that one, right? Yeah, we've got an exciting release coming up uh, in November. We're going to release an eight-year-old um, a cask edition, Port Charlotte. It's going to be cast strength. Oh, wow. It's, uh, it's 59%, I think. Yeah. going to be bottled. It's eight years old. It's going to be matured in a Mouton Rothschild. Well, it is, sorry, when it's going to be, it is matured in a Mouton Rothschild cask. Oh, uh, it's been finished off in the, the Mouton Rothschild. So it's it's a, it's a real fruit bomb. It's, you know, spicy, um, you know, lovely balanced dry smoke. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's That's a special whiskey. Really you should look out for that one if you see it coming. It'll be, we reckon it'll be bottled maybe about November. Yeah. So. Uh, it's one to come, and each year we're going to do a, a special cask edition of Port Charlotte cool. as well as alongside the ten-year-old and the Port Charlotte Isla Barley. So yeah, we're excited about that, and we've got you know we're, we've reached a point that we've got sufficient stocks that we can play around with it, you know, and that was just a case of us getting to that point, yeah. built climbing to the top <clears> of the hill. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, exciting times, um, you know, and we've got great things happening with 
Brooklady and Octomore as well. We're um, we're working on the the next edition of Octomores. Uh, they'll be coming out soon. Um, yeah, there's there's lots of great things happening. We've just you know with innovation with some of the Brooklady uh, new products. We've just done a limited edition of the Yellow Submarine. I don't know if you've seen that one. I saw the bottle. Yeah, I don't yeah. what's the deal with yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, it was just a bit of fun. I mean, back in I think two two o five two thousand five, we had um, released the first edition of the Yellow Sub, uh, which was it was just a bit of fun. You know, the it was, the story behind it was that the Royal Navy had lost a, a an ROV and um, off the coast of Ireland. And a fisherman had picked it up just off the, <laughs> the, the coast of Ireland, uh, took it back to shore, and then it was local news for a while that they'd contacted the Navy, and the Navy were like denying losing this, the Royal Navy. Then it was like, you know, a quarter of a million pound piece <laughs> yeah. of equipment, and they were, they were like, no, we've not lost it. Anyway, it became a kind of local artifact for a yeah. while, you know, people were getting their pictures taken. And we decided that at the time, we just, you know, to get a bit of media, we put our. Uh, because it was in the media, we decided that we'd, you know, uh, do a bottling just to 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 have a bit of fun with it, with the Yellow Submarine. Obviously, yeah. the link to the Beatles, and it was just a bit of fun. Um, and that was, uh, you know, just a limited edition, and it was a bit of fun. And then just last year, Adam and I, well, we were they lost another sub. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Well, but funny enough, in between all this, that one of the guys that run uh, a guest house just along from the distillery, he had. Uh, called us up one day and said that he had been looking on eBay and he found one <laughs> exactly the same as the one that was lost <laughs> on eBay. So it was uh, one that had been decommissioned yeah. by the Navy. So we bought it on eBay. So we no. have it, we have it at the distillery. Oh, that's cool. Um, and you know, two years ago we did a bit of fun with it at the festival. You know, we brought it out so you know people remembered the story. And then we'd been looking in the warehouses and we came across the. The kind of remnant. So basically, when we done the first edition, it was a fourteen-year-old uh, Brooklady that had been matured in Tempranillo casks. Oh wow! And we'd taken—I can't remember how many bottles we'd done in the first release, but the we still had some of that whiskey in the Tempranillo, the same. But it was now became twenty-five-year-old, so we had wow. uh, decided that it was still sitting there, and you know we could have used it in another you know something with black art or something but we decided not to do that we thought we'll we'll do another edition of so we bottled it all there was only 1900 bottles wow. um and we yeah we we created another edition of yellow sub just a bit of fun uh, yeah. but it's it's sharing that great liquid as well that you know it's people see the evolution of when it was 14 and now it's 25 and that's an incredible evolution there yeah i was gonna ask you this when you drink let's say you're drinking the port charlotte 10 what because I'm just going to make the assumption you you like the Beatles. Yeah. What record goes best with Port Charlotte 10? Ooh. <laughs> That's a good question. Um What does goes with um I think I've, it, got, I've, I've got one but oh, I want right, to okay, well, see what you I'm trying to think, yeah. Um I don't know. I've just I, I know I've got a few favorite Beatles songs but I don't know if it connects with actual the the um the liquid uh, yeah I'm trying to think well maybe stand by me or uh, yeah yeah it's, um I it's for me revolver is the perfect revolver oh yeah 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 you know what I mean because yeah. it's a thinking record yeah it's dark it's happy yeah. it's like all over the place yeah I was going to say I was what I was kind of crossed my mind was I'm a big Bruce Springsteen fan as well oh no kidding and I was going to say fire or something that yeah. really uh, fire is uh, I like that you know with the like listening to Bruce Springsteen while sitting with a single malt oh so. man. And you're in all the way in Isla. That's yeah. that's like the most American thing to do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I've got two questions left for you. And sadly, I've only got my Brooklady in the other room, but we don't have any here, which is yeah. okay because it's Friday morning. But you're sipping that Port Charlotte 10 anywhere in the world. Perhaps you are on a porch or in your living room or whatnot. But you can have a drink and a sip with anybody, living or deceased, who would you like to join you as you sip through that beautiful scotch? Well, if I could turn back time, I'd love to sit with my grandfather because, yeah. um, you know, I never got the chance to obviously sit and have a, a drama with him. But, um, yeah, that would probably be one that I would do. I think, you know, we and we are very fortunate that we still have the ability to, to sit and drink with Jim, you know, yeah. because, again, we've got, you know, huge respect for Jim because he taught us everything we know. 
Um, he still lives next door to me, so he still no lives way. beside the distillery. So we see him from time to time. So it's great just to sit and have a dram with him and reminisce and talk about you know the the whiskies we've got. And, yeah. Um, you know he's uh, very um, still very passionate about everything we do, and he's very um, supportive of you know understanding you know like the challenges and and what we're doing. Uh, and yeah, he likes to come in and get the news, and yeah, we like to kind of have a drama with him. So we're we're quite lucky we've got that. Uh, we, we can still share that uh, experience with him, um, which is you know I think you know because he has been such a, a mentor for us in you know in in many ways. I think that it's it's a it's a, it's great just to to basically be able to sit and do that. Yeah, yeah. That's a, yeah. as you're saying that. I immediately said I've got to go on Tyler. I've got to interview him. If yeah, let me yeah. Do it. yeah, yeah, you know, a living yeah. legend. Yeah, he is. He's a legend, yeah, and uh, and he would be only too happy to. He loves. He's a people's person. He loves spending time with people. Yeah. He's a great ambassador for Isla for whiskey industry. He loves spending time uh, with people. He's very, um, very generous with his time. You know, he loves to to um, uh, to educate people about yeah. you know whiskey and you know and learn about people and uh, yeah. So it's something that yeah, I think for him, uh, you know, I've learned a lot from him. And uh, yeah, I think and one thing that he's he's taught me and you know and I think that's it's important you know in, especially in, in in being a distiller is to make decisions because there's only so too many people that will sit back and say I don't want to you know take the make a decision or I'll act, put the responsibility yeah. to somebody else and that's something that's always stuck with me is that in any situation I'm not frightened to make a decision because you go with your heart. And you know, and it always work out. Yeah, and it always works out. And I think um, you know somebody's got to take decisions, and that's you know I think that's uh, a, a real sign of being a leader as yeah. well. If you take the decision, you're absolutely right. And this kind of comes back to that yeah. question a moment yeah. ago. Well, the last question for you, you know, you were in Dallas last night. And you had a great class at Seven Grand here in Austin. Where are you off to next? Yeah, so this evening we're uh, at Whiskey X oh, that's in Austin. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Cool. so we're going to be, we've got a stand at Whiskey X um, and we'll be there. Um, and then that's my trip done. So I leave Austin tomorrow morning. Um, I'm going via Mount Gay. So I'm going down to Barbados for a few days just to. Poor guy. Poor guy, yeah. No, it's, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, um, yeah it's, it's just, it's nice to obviously be able to go down there, see the guys at Mount Gay, uh, spend a bit of time with them chill out after a hard week yeah. uh, maybe get some golf in play a bit of golf and yeah so looking forward to that but yeah no it's been a great trip um we've met some great people across texas they're um you know the passion for for whiskeys there the the love for for single malt i love single malts sure. is there the 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 love for Brookladdy's been great, you know, we, and it's always great for us to meet new people and, and you know whether it's people that have never drunk whiskey before, if we can try and introduce them to whiskey, or people that've been drinking it for a lifetime. Uh, we're you know we love talking to people about whiskey and what we do, and yeah. if we can educate them or uh, infuse them by you know some of our stories, we're we're only hope too happy to do so. So that's great. Yeah, it's been, and it. Yeah, sorry, I was going to say it's great to see. There's a lot of people from the states that come to Isla as well, yeah. make that pilgrimage across, and that's um, you know fantastic to see that people make that uh, journey across. Dedicated yeah. man. Yeah, they're very dedicated, and it's great. You know, the, I think you know people see Isla as the the mecca of whiskey, and you know, it's they come there. It's like the Disneyland of. Yeah. It's like coming, <laughs> like you know, people come out to Florida, to Disneyland. Well, it's like a the submarine there now. Yeah, yeah. We'll get Ringo out there. Yeah, and that's then, a, yeah. Then it'll truly come for absolutely. Circle, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, well, it's it's been brilliant chatting with you. Yeah, and I'll see you this evening too, and I can't wait to sip maybe a few things. Yeah, we'll have a dram tonight. Yeah, uh, for sure. Come along, and we'll let you try some of the the new Porchardas. So. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. I'm so glad you made the pilgrimage, as you say, to yeah. Texas. Yeah, it's well, a great thanks, spot, man. Thanks for having us. It's been awesome. Um, yeah, and uh, hopefully we'll see you one day in Isla. You know it. Yeah. Thanks so much. I'll <laughs> yeah. talk soon. Thanks. Well, there we have it. Mr. Alan Logan, the distillery manager for Brook Laddie. I've had the privilege of meeting a few of those gents from that Isla gem just in the past few months, including James the Forger for Botanist Jan, and also... Interview coming out here shortly with Adam Hannett, the master distiller for Brooklady. But Alan is a great guy, very down to earth, very humble, and he loves his whiskey. And damn, do they make a fine scotch at Brooklady. Some of my favorite marks in the market today. So, Alan, a belated happy birthday, fellow aquarium. 
And it's good to see you doing this great work. And I'm glad to see you guys here in the States also talking about the lovely scotches from Isla. So thanks, everybody, for listening to Show to V with Mike G. No matter how many hours you dedicated this weekend to your new video project or if you are barreling through the six to seven seasons of Game of Thrones on HBO Go, please keep going.